one person is not a student government. It's not about me. It's not about the vice president. It's not about any specific position. It's about teamwork. And it's about providing goods and services and representing a student body that you are put in place to volunteer your own time for. I'm Kevin Christopher Robles. And I'm Jeff Umbro. After a long semester, we check in with Dimitrios Stratus, United Student Government President at Lincoln Center, about moving on from the issues they faced this fall. Next, news editor Carmen Barca Carrillo updates us on the comically empty information session recently held regarding the search for the new Lincoln Center Dean. Finally, Ashley Simpson gives us an inside look at the daily life of an Ailey student. This is Retrospect, the official podcast of the Fordham Observer. Joining us today is Dimitrios Stratus, USG president at Lincoln Center. Thank you for joining us, Dimitrios. Thank you for having me on, Kevin. It's good to see you again. Now, Dimitrios, we had you on the very first episode of Retrospect, where you spoke about your goals for the year and what sort of things that you wanted to accomplish. Can you speak to us now at the end of the fall semester and tell us a little bit about how those plans have panned out. When I first came to you, I was describing how you she had a bit of an identity crisis that had been going on for the better part of two years. And I think we've sort of resolved what the issue of the identity crisis is because for a long time it was the question, should we be advocates? Should we be people who just literally, people submit club budgets to and appeals to and we just sit in our office and we just make sure what the clubs are doing? Do we act as the UN of clubs on campus? I think there is a balance of all of them. And next term coming in, we've decided that our focus is going to be predominantly on creating a sense of community and spirit. Given that we had a successful upperclassman town hall, we're going to be having town halls at the beginning of next term. Hopefully we'll have many town halls scattered throughout the period in which we would use this as an opportunity to get touch base with people for use of promotions, get people to listen to what their problem is. We're working on a possible weekly letter that would be sent out by either the head of student affairs or the secretary, depending on who is able to take up on it, to keep people, one, notified, because the student body, one of the issues is when you are in student government, you're a student leader, it's very easy to see USG and see what's happening. But if you're not a student leader, it's a lot more difficult to see those changes, even if we are doing things, simply because of the structure of the university as a Manhattan campus. We also have revitalized our Instagram. It went from being a thing that we weren't using to us frequently using it to promote not only our events, but the events of others that come through us and ask for help. We want to focus on several new events that are planned for next term. We have the tentatively named Battle of Fordham that is projected to have at least 250 participants. We have Capture the Ram. We are planning on potentially holding a commuter resident mixer in between Winter Ball, which Katina Smith, our vice president, has been working on for a very long time. In general, we finally found what our focus is, and it's difficult to get the balance, but now we know what our primary focus is going to be. At the same time, we're working with student organizations like The Positive. We have representatives going to their meeting to discuss issues regarding the rights and official policy towards transgender students. We came out with a statement, we worked with student workers during the minimum wage issue. But the good point is, one, we're showing that we're student advocates. Two, we're doing events. Three, we're making up for an experience and past mistakes in the way that we're handling things. So I do want to push you a little bit on that point, Demetrius. Now, there has been some recent controversy in USG regarding the 
situation concerning former Vice President of Operations Austin Tong. Can you give us a little bit about what that whole situation was like for you and USG and what steps are you taking to sort of to move forward from that happenstance? Austin Tong may no longer be the Vice President of Operations, but he also was a friend of mine. I think out of respect to him, what I will say will be done with the most discretion possible. Austin worked on the same committee as me last year, the Operations Committee, and I had, saw a lot of promise in him. He is a vibrant student leader, has a very big following on social media, although I'm not sure that all the people who are following many of his recent posts actually go to this university, but kudos to him for creating a following. He is very was very busy this term. It's a Gabelli sophomore. You have a lot of projects, also has a long commute. I understood that. And we made multiple compromises that did not pan out simply because he was not fulfilling his end of the bargain. And I can understand that he was in a rough position, but we had to cancel the club leader networking dinner because he wasn't sending reminders, he wasn't doing his job. I had to do several things for him, even as I was trying to explain things. It's very difficult to explain things to someone who is not coming to the USGE board meetings. And Austin was coming to most of our general meetings, but he wasn't coming to our e-board meetings. And the entire point of the e-board meetings is to plan prayer for the general meetings to discuss what's happening. We weren't getting constitutions for clubs. Entire clubs are going unanswered in the operations email box. We're still sending apology letters to many of those clubs that are starred. We're trying to, to explain to them what happened. And for a long time, Austin wasn't even able to use his email because of an MFA issue, which he told us very infrequently, told us that it was fixed after we took initial reaction, and it turned out it wasn't fixed. And throughout the entire thing, we did it in a very orderly and respectful manner. We tried to explain to him what was happening. Austin simply just did not come to meetings. He didn't give us the updates that were needed to be given. He didn't train his committee and teach them what they were supposed to be doing. And it got to the point that as a result of the fact that he wasn't paying attention to certain things, he didn't do his club leader training, which ironically, we made the club leader training on, or we put it on online, we put it as a thing on Blackboard because we didn't want club leaders to have the same issue of going to an in-person long thing. We wanted to make it easy and accessible for people and Austin was told multiple times and whether it's slipped by because sometimes you get all these emails and these notifications and some people just don't read it. That's just human nature. I'm not throwing any shade at him for that. This error was not detected for a month by student involvement and when it was done our budget was frozen. This would have impacted events like our town halls, Katina's Fordham Friday which has been one of the best successes of this term and Austin was also not there at the meeting when we were all notified as a body when this happened. It's also you need to understand the human element of this case when you're working as a team communication, reciprocation, compromise, being on the same page is crucial to running a successful club as well as a government. And the fact that the members, like unanimously, every single member of the student government felt like Austin was having issues doing his work, we tried to have a meeting on Monday with him because one Tuesday, a lot of people would have to have left due to the simple issue that it was Thanksgiving break was coming up. We did want to have a meeting right before where we'd deal with issues and we would also address this and speak to Austin, give him a chance to speak. We all know what happened after that. I don't want to touch upon it. The article that came out, I'm still unhappy about the process. I understand why it happened, though. And after that, I spoke to Austin personally and made known what was happening. We had him communicating this. Austin voluntarily resigned at that Monday meeting. He was not forced out. He was not bullied. He was not... 
an argument could be made that because of the article he felt he couldn't work as part of a team. That's understandable, but at the end of the day, he voluntarily resigned. And we put out a statement after we saw several Instagram posts that we felt gave a very unfair and inaccurate, inaccurate view of events that happened. And that was probably the most personal statement we ever made, and we hope we never, ever have to make that again in the history of USG because it was 11 o'clock when I found out about all of this. On Thursday night before my LSAT, I was sick. I had an operation on my tooth. And due to all of these things, I was up until 2 a.m. trying to pierce everything together and fix things. It's very difficult being a leader, especially when you have to deal with a friend in a capacity like this. And I told Austin when he resigned, I shook his hand, I hugged him, I told him, this is a learning experience. This isn't like a dig on you. This isn't who you are and this isn't what we are. And I hope that in the future you'll find a way to continue being a student leader because you show passion. It's in his post. He wants to be a student leader. I just hope that as time goes on, he finds his own capacity to carry it. One person is not a student government. It's not about me. It's not about the vice president. It's not about any specific position. It's about teamwork. And it's about providing goods and services and representing a student body that you are put in place to volunteer your own time for. And that's what I take out of this. I'm disappointed that it happened, but I also think it made us stronger because it was a lesson to everyone. I'd also like to note that there is legislation being put to a vote very soon in the United States government changing the names of the positions. We will no longer have Vice President of Operations, Vice President of Student Affairs, Vice President of Facilities. Instead, the positions will be retitled to Chairman of Facilities or Chairperson, Head of Facilities, Head of Operations, Head of Student Affairs, because there is only one Vice President of the United States government, that's Katina Smith. And I think having so many vice presidents before titles when they are not the vice president, you're acting in capacity as the head of a committee, may have caused unnecessary miscommunications. Do you have any final statements, Demetrius, that you'd like to say? I think this was a momentous term, and I think it was a good learning experience because unlike past USGs, one of the things about USG, it's most of the times it's the same people in the same positions. We've been accused of being a little bit of a clique by many students, and the truth is that's kind of been the case the last couple of years. This hasn't been the case at all this year. We have a very diverse student government of commuters, residents, people from all different places, people with inexperience, and then people like me who's been in here for years. And because of the fact that we were new, we had several new members in many positions, obviously there's bound to be mistakes in learning, but I'd like to draw people's attention to events like the Christmas tree lighting. That was Ruiz's first event as student affairs. She had been really nervous about it, and we had the most people go to that Christmas tree lighting than in comparison to other years. That was a great event, and seeing so many students from my campus finally seeing them. Like, it's easy as the president went because you see the same people, you walk by the same places. You can't always meet everyone, seeing everyone come out like that. I said to myself, hey, this is why I'm doing this job. It's reviews people that I might not be seeing, and we have to keep sight of that, and we can't lose track of that. We're not a student body of bureaucrats. We do bureaucratic paperwork. We do things with clubs. We review stuff, but that's this isn't a bureaucracy. We're here to do a simple job. It may be rough sometimes. We have restraints on us. We have constraints to what we can do within our offices, but we, that shouldn't stop us from trying our best to do it. Thank you so much for joining us, Demetrius. Thank you for having me.
For this next segment, we're here with Carmen Borca Carrillo, one of the news editors here on The Observer, and she recently attended an information session regarding the search for a new dean here at Fordham College at Lincoln Center. So thanks for being on here, Carmen. Oh, I'm happy to be here. So to start out, I was hoping if you could just describe the scene, who was there, what was discussed, and what was or what were some of the takeaways from the meeting? It was in the... 140 West Building and the Gabelli Building, even though the email said that it was at the law school. So we can start with that. Um, Actually, within the room, there was uh, Sheila Murphy, who is a representative from the executive search firm Witt Kiefer. And she was there with one of her representatives, uh, Robin Mamlet. And uh, within the room, there were three students, two of which were reporters for The Observer, and one who was Miriam Waba. And she was actually there uh, on her work time. She called out of her work like to her supervisor because she thought that it was mandatory. And uh, the rest of the room was empty. I'm wondering, is this, is this the same information session that I and I think everyone else received an email about and said, come on part of the, on the search committee? It most certainly is. It's also the one that scared everyone <laughs> off. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you think contributed to no one coming to the meeting, despite everyone being invited to it? Uh, well, when I asked around, there was a lot of, uh, this meeting is at a terrible time. Uh, Friday afternoons, I feel like even if you want to be a part of the Fordham community, you're pretty much just on off mode and you're like set to go home. The email itself was a bit strangely formatted and that apparently turned people off as well. People said that it seemed like a personal invitation. I think that the overwhelming sense was just that nothing would come out of this information session, that student voices aren't listened to, but also I think just a sense of being disinterested. Do you think that the extremely low attendance at the meeting is perhaps reflective of a larger sense of disinterest among the student body at Fordham? Absolutely. Uh, (laughs) There was worse turnout for the provost search forum because there was only one reporter on that story. So there were two of us at the information session. I think that in general, students are just disinterested with information sessions and things held by the university. Uh, which I think is uh, a bit problematic, both in the sense of for the administration and for the students. I think that students are likely to show up to student-run events. I think that administrative events, there's sort of a sense that they students won't be listened to there, mm-hmm. and that just closes them off in the first place. Do you think it's because of the distance that the administrators usually have with the students? Do you think it's because they don't really know who these people are? Like, they're not part of the students' day-to-day. They don't, you know, interact with them in any meaningful way. So when they get invited, people just don't care. Do you think that's, you know, do you think that's part of it or? Absolutely. Um, I think that I feel that even as someone who has talked with Dean Grimes at length. Um, And I, I still wouldn't have gone to this information session if I wasn't on the team reporting. What I did hear a lot of was, uh, I don't know what a dean does. I don't really think that I'm qualified enough to speak at this information session. When the the problem is that these information sessions are asking for student input. And uh, I guess mm, the question that immediately comes to mind when people tell me that they didn't go to an information session about the dean because they don't know what a dean does If you don't know what a dean does, maybe going to an information session about the dean might help with that, and you can have your voice be heard. I think that there's also the distance that you were talking about. 
it's shortened at these information sessions. You're talking directly to people who are going to choose the new dean. So I think maybe a mix of bad information and just a sense of alienation between students and administration. And it's hard to close that gap so suddenly. What sort of input was the administration looking for? I will say one important thing to note is that there weren't actually administrators at the meeting. It was just Whit Kiefer, um, which was not like that at the Provo search. There was supposed to be a panel, but then when nobody showed up, the panel left and it was just Whit Kiefer. (laughs) But back to the Dean search, um, there was a chance for students to ask questions of Whit Kiefer, but uh, for some reason they were on a very tight time limit. (laughs) I don't know if it's that they just decided to have the student session. Uh, We didn't get any comment back on that. But there wasn't much time for students to ask questions, even though it was supposed to be part of it. Mostly what was happening was that Whit Kiefer was asking students, why did you come to Fordham? Why did you choose FCLC? And actually a major question that they spent a lot of time on, I think at least half an hour in an hour-long meeting, was what are your pain points here at FCLC? And so it was a direct space for students to air their grievances. And it was like a direct space that they were asking for you get a chance with a new dean to start over anew, to have someone in a position of power that's going to listen to your concerns. What are your concerns right here? So they were definitely direct in their approach, and I think that they were also aware of a lot of the issues like around uh, trans and gender nonconforming and intersex students on campus. They were very aware that those issues were in uh, sort of the works, and the guest policy was also in their conscious, so... I, it was definitely a place for students to air their grievances. So, to clarify, you were one of three people. Mm-hmm. So when there were questions being aired, I'm trying to imagine the comical scene that this must have looked like. It was tough. It was <laughs> tough. So I think that's a problem. I think another problem is doing it on such short notice. I think another problem is not reaching out directly. These search committees are very um, secretive, which is understandable, but even it, it wasn't even the uh, spokesperson of the search committee that sent out the email, and it wasn't the assistant to the spokesperson that sent out the email. It was an assistant to the assistant <laughs> who was asked to compile an email, uh, which had the wrong address and was written in bold italics. <laughs> so I think beginning there and then continuing with the fact that they didn't try at all to have students come. They didn't try to garner any participation. They didn't make it easy for students to come. They had it on a Friday afternoon when obviously the people from Whit Kiefer were leaving midway through the meeting. One of them left 10 minutes into the meeting. And the meeting also started late, by the way. So I think it was just rife with inaccuracies and problems. And I think that it was a last minute solution to sort of say that they had attempted and while I really do appreciate that and I think that this could have been a great platform especially in the era of student unrest that we're in right now I I don't think that they're going about it the right way it seemed kind of half-hearted and everyone that I talked to felt that way too joining us for this next segment is Ashley Simpson a dancer in the Ailey program. Thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. So, Ashley, can you talk a little bit about what your schedule is like? Is it typical of an Ailey student? Yeah, I would say so. The Ailey program is often very 
jam-packed schedule-wise and very chaotic. So typically I start off with academics, which is nice because I'm not running back and forth, back and forth from Ailey to Fordham. Um, if you don't know, Alvin Ailey is five blocks away from Fordham University on 55th and 9th. I'll wake up, I'll eat a short breakfast if I'm up in time, I'll go to my academic classes, which are the usual time slots, um, about an hour and a half each. Um, I have two in the morning usually, and then I go to Ailey and take my ballet classes, my techniques, my modern techniques like Horton, Graham, I'll have modern partnering, sometimes point class, um, and then normally I finish the day with rehearsals, and that can last anywhere from two hours to more, and then I'll come back for a quick break, either go to office hours or go to a night class. Luckily, I don't have any this semester, though, and then I'll go back to Ailey for normally the 8 to 10 slot for a two-hour rehearsal. You mentioned you're not taking any night classes this semester, but I know a lot of Ailey students do end up having to take what almost ex exclusively night classes. Right. Um, do you prefer the morning classes to the night classes? I like to dance in the morning. That's just me. So I like to start off with maybe an 8.30 ballet and have the rest of my day be filled with dance and then go mm -hmm. towards academics. But picking a time slot for your academics is really tricky because normally... Um, the dance classes that we want to take are offered in the morning and we end up, so a lot of us end up having to take primarily night classes. That was my situation sophomore year because of all the Fordham core classes we were required to take. It sounds like your schedule is pretty physically and mentally taxing. Are there any techniques that you have, anything that you do specifically that can sort of help ease that burden? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, sleep as much as you can. Um, I find that when I am up late studying or up late at re from rehearsals, um, my whole week just gets thrown off. And so what a lot of dancers have to do to combat that is just therapeutic things in their daily routine. Like me and my roommate, once we're done with rehearsals for the day, we'll try and roll out our muscles with, with little tennis balls or just anything to get you as loose as possible and oftentimes we'll even do face masks just things to de-stress and to calm down after a long day are there any de-stressing or schedule or time management tricks that you've learned that both Ailey and non-Ailey students can maybe use especially now uh, in the middle of finals <laughs> finals yeah <laughs> I would say eat a good breakfast every morning and really just taking time for yourself finding out that Maybe you don't need to scroll through social media every night and it's more beneficial for your time to be sleeping, resting, and maybe even reading a book to calm down. Before we finish this off, uh, do you have anything final to say? Anything that you'd like to communicate to other Ailey students here at Fordham? To my fellow Ailey Fordham BFAs, I would just say I'm so inspired by all of you. You're the reason I get up every day. It's a hard, <laughs> it's a hard schedule, it's a hard life, but we're getting through it together, and finals are around the corner, so <laughs> take care. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. This has been Episode 5 of Retrospect. I'm Kevin Christopher Robles. And I'm Jeff Umbrell. Thank you for listening this past fall. Retrospect will return in the spring for Season 2. 
Until next time.